All right, children uh, who attend Children's Church, you can meet my wife in the corner. She will take you. The rest of you, let's open up our Bibles together. Uh, We are in Psalm 100 today. Psalm 100. Uh, As I mentioned last week, we're taking a slight break from the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to be in Psalm 100 today, and then the next four weeks we're going to spend time in the book of Ruth for Advent. It's really the story behind the story of baby Jesus. Uh, We needed to eventually have Ruth and Boaz having a kid in order to get to the line of Jesus. So that's what we're going to be looking at over the next four weeks. And then uh, we'll have a, a standalone passage for New Year. And then, Lord willing, we will pick up at Matthew chapter 8 as the new year begins. So today, though, we are at Psalm 100. This is God's holy word. Psalm 100, a psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let's pray. Father, as we come into your presence, as we enter into your gates with thanksgiving, we are mindful of how abundantly blessed we are, how you have lavished your grace and mercy in so many aspects of our life, but most importantly, you have blessed us in your Son. So we pray right now, Lord, that you would remind us, that you would awaken us uh, to the reality of how uh, gifted, how uh, blessed we truly are, and we pray, Lord, that it would result in lives of worship and praise. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, We like to celebrate the people who are dear to us. And we do this by talking about them a lot. Uh, Sometimes to the annoyance of those around us. But to us, it just is natural because we care about them. I know as a parent, at nauseam, I have boasted and bragged about my kids to people who I know really don't care, but I don't care that they don't care. They're going to hear how well my son did in that game or how well my daughter did on this test. I, it just, I, I can't help it because I'm so proud of them. We have a new niece in our family, uh, a new niece, Anna Joy. So we've all been talking and bragging about her. I, I know Grandparents are notorious for for bragging about their grandchildren. Uh, Even in the holidays, one of the gifts that's often given to grandparents is like a brag book where they'll give a a book maybe through Shutterfly and you'll do all these pictures so they can have this book and they'll show these pictures to people that kind of want to see a few of them, not a book worthy of them, but they'll smile and nod, oh, this is great. But that's what we do. My grandma, Helen Brickley, passed away a few years back, She was such a fan of me that this is before you could link a sermon back like 18 years ago. We would have a CD of my sermon. She would pass out my sermon to strangers. 
So there are random people, if they chose to listen, who know me because my grandma was like my PR agent passing out. Because she just couldn't help it. She was so proud that I was in ministry doing the work of the Lord. You see, our boasting in others is a byproduct of our love and gratitude for those people. We just can't help it. People need to behold how awesome these people are who are so dear to us, so dear to you and I. Well, as followers of Jesus Christ, we should be braggers and boasters in the Lord. Christ should be the focus of our gratitude, our conversations. Out of the overflow of our hearts, we should constantly be talking to others about Jesus who he is, and what he has done. We should find it difficult to not speak of him. So that's what we're going to consider as we unpack Psalm 100 today. Uh, We're going to begin by looking at that we are called to worship, that God has called you and I to seek and to celebrate the Lord. Secondly, we are created for worship, that The Lord made you and I as worshipers. The question is not whether we will worship. The question is who we worship, the object of our worship. And then lastly, we have a cause to worship. And that cause is God because he is worthy of such adoration and such praise. Let's begin as we see that we are called to worship. So yeah, so Andy and I, uh, as we, we plot out and we're thinking through our, our sermon series, we got done with Matthew. We were originally going to go five weeks of Advent, but we both agreed that one of the weeks was going to be kind of a struggle to make a sermon standalone based on how we broke up the passage. So I thought, well, we'll just go four weeks, and then it left this week, and that left, like, what are we going to preach on? But I think it's fitting. I, I think it's important because you and I, we have... I mean, in our culture, we have Thanksgiving, and then the very next day, a day of shopping for ourselves. So it's, it's kind of ironic. We're so grateful for all we have, and then the next morning, we need more. So I, I think it's good a few days removed from Thanksgiving for us to take a pause, to take a time out, and to consider and to reflect on God's goodness as we prepare for the holiday and the Christmas season. Well, as we are called to worship, first thing I want us to see is that praise is active. Praise is active. Listen to what the psalmist says. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Come into his presence with singing. Notice how deliberate the call to worship is. It's very active. Make noise, serve, come, sing. This is not passive language by any means. It's very engaged. I could look on my phone right now. You click on the fitness app and it will tell me how many calories I've burnt thus far today. I haven't done that much physically yet being in the morning. So, but you can see that how long I've been standing. If I've done exercise, there's the, and you might have a smartwatch or a Fitbit or something like that that is monitoring it. Well, there is a reality to worship that if we had a, an app for it, it should show that activity has taken place. Psalm 33. 
It says, shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud choice. That's a whole lot of action, isn't it? That's a physical display of worship. Now, I want to say worship is designed to be with order. It shouldn't be chaos. The Bible is very clear on that. But worship also is to be something that we are engaged with. And I think it's, it's relevant. I think it's pertinent because specifically, and I'm going to stereotype, okay? Men are a whole lot more self-conscious at worship, I feel, than women. Men are more concerned about how, if they sound good, and, and I'm assuming most men are not great singers, at least my experience. Maybe some of you are, have a voice of an angel and I'm unaware of it. But because of that reality, I, I notice it. And I see it. I'm not staring at everybody. I'm staring at some of you. And I'll watch, and I never see your lips move. So if you're singing, it's like this. Mm-hmm. Friends, that's, that's, that's not worship. When you come Sunday morning to worship, you should be so just focused on the act of worshiping God that you should care the least of what people are saying, what people are doing, that people are looking. It's you and God in that time. Corporately, though, but it should be that way. Does that mean you need to raise hands? No, but you can. You can be engaged in worship. Because here's the problem. Let's flip to those men again. I know a large portion of the men here watched the game yesterday. And if I could have video of those men in their living room watching the game, I could see men. If we could post it up here, there'd be some, some embarrassment. I'll speak for myself. Multiple times I stood up. I paced like Abby was having her seventh child. I yelled at the TV like they could hear me. I, I, I constantly was critiquing Kyle McCord and Ryan Day. I was engaged in that game. Yet... I can come Sunday morning and just kind of go through the motions when we worship. Sing the songs. I got to get up there. It's time for me to preach. If Andy's preaching, I don't even have to do that. You see, that's not how it's supposed to be. Worship is action. So I have to ask you, are you active in your worship? But not only is it deliberate, notice it's directional, creative. Create it, sing a new song uh, make joyful noise. Elsewhere, make melody. It's pursuing. It is serving. It is all about God. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. We don't, we don't simply worship by singing songs. We don't simply worship by doing the act. No, we worship because we have an object a target of the worship. What if hypothetically, we're in a gymnasium, what if we took all six hoops out of the gymnasium and I gave you a basketball and I said, shoot at the basket. What would you shoot at? 
There would be no target. There would be no place to shoot the ball. Worship, when we come here, there is a, a hoop to shoot at. Do you understand that? There is a target. It is the Lord. It's to praise him. I mean, that is the reality of heaven. You understand that? That when we get to glory, we're going to be able to see the target easier. I mean, it's all about worship. It's, it's not about anything else than the fact that we get God. Well, are you pursuing God today? Is your focus on him? Because praise is not only active, it is affectionate, okay? Listen to the language. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Notice it's worship, this kind of worship, this affectionate worship, it's from the heart. Listen to the language, joyful, gladness. Those are things that are produced within us. All right, we're going to play charades right now, okay? I want you to make a happy face. Let me see him. I was like, Tim, you can do better, and that, that's good. Tim had this stern face. I was like, that, that's his happy? Now angry face. Angry face, good. Now here's the problem. If you are really joyful today, and I'm telling you to make an angry face, how long could you keep the angry face going? At some point, you're going to be difficult. Flip it. All Ohio State fans, if I'm telling you to be joyful and you're not in a good mood today, is it hard to, to fake the happy? Like, yeah, yay, three years in a row. Awesome. <laughs> Spectacular. No, here's the deal with worship. And I want us to understand this. You can fake emotions for a time and a season, but ultimately, the worship that we speak of in the Bible, the gratitude, the thanksgiving that we're talking about, it starts in the heart. Luke 6, 44, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We praise out of the overflow of our love and gratitude for God. Psalm 86, 12, I give thanks to you, Lord, my God, with my whole heart, I will glorify your name forever. You see, worship must, please understand this, must take place in the heart before you ever see it on the outside. True worship. Nehemiah 8.10, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. We can't sing praise if nothing is going on in our hearts. And I think what, what this really means for you and I is Monday through Saturday is a worship service. It's called your life. Now, could we improve what goes on Sunday morning? Yes, I hope and pray that over as long as I'm your pastor and as long as Andy is, is your pastor, that we continue to strive for excellence in the pulpit and we continue to get better at the craft of preaching. I think Ryan would testify. We want to continue to improve what goes on Sunday morning with our song selection, singing, all of those things. We want to honor the Lord with all of this. But there is a part of worship that has a whole lot of impact from you. Because over the years, 18 years, I've heard people, I didn't feel engaged. I didn't like this. But here's the reality. Monday to Saturday, there has been no worship going on with the Lord. And you think we're, we're magicians here. That our magic is going to somehow transform your unworshiping heart over six days in an hour and 15 minutes. Sometimes in God's grace and mercy, that indeed happens because of his spirit. 
But what I'm saying in all of this is worship has to take place at home, throughout your day, throughout your life. So I have to ask, is worship going on? Are you stirring your affections? Because it's not only from the heart, it's a fight with the heart. Do you understand that? For this kind of worship to happen, it is a battle. It's a struggle. You want to show how dysfunctional our country is? Look at our reality shows. Amen? Hey, teach me about love. What does love look like in America? Watch The Bachelor. Watch The Bachelorette. Because it is normal for one person to date 25 people at the same time, right? That's normal. And 25 women are cool sharing one person or 25 men or, you know how dysfunctional it is. Well, what we see in the dysfunctionality of our warped, twisted culture, that happens daily in our hearts. Our hearts are constantly divided when it comes to worship. Revelation 2.4, I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Revelation 3.16, because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. So this worship that we speak of, this all-in, fully engaged worship from the heart is constantly going to be a tug, in, tug of war because our hearts are divided. Because the flesh is not fully done away with and the spirit is at work in us. You see, God wants our own our heart. He's a jealous God. He's not going to share you. Psalm 50, 14, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High. Why are you fighting today? Are you fighting to worship God? What, what makes you joyful in this life? What causes you gladness? What makes you want to sing? Who are the rivals to God in your worship? So we've seen this call to worship. The praise, it's active, it's affectionate. Well, secondly, I want us to see that we are created for worship. Part of the reason the psalmist calls us to worship is because that's God's design for you. If you're sitting here today wondering, what is my purpose? What is my reason for living one of the primary answers to that thought-provoking question should be this. God created me to worship him. And we notice this through our attitude towards the shepherd. Listen to what it says. It says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. First of all, he's created us. Now you and I, we have, I'm assuming, who here has ever sent a thank you to somebody? Who here has ever received a thank you? Whoever has sent a really meaningful thank you or received a really meaningful, not just the arbitrary, like, hey, thank you for the birthday card and money. Like, the poor kid had to do that because mom made him, you know. I, I understand the, 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 the whole etiquette of it, but I'm talking about that one where they, they really write from the heart, are so grateful, so um, appreciative of what you've done, or, or vice versa. Did you understand this? God, 
please listen to this. God did not have to create you. You understand? God wasn't lacking. He's like, man, I really need a Joe. So boom, he made me. No, he, he, but he did. And I'm really glad of that. I'm glad he made me. Psalm 139, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it full well. That's verse 14. I'm assuming you are glad that you were made, right? But not just you, the people in your life. I mean, what a horrible, horrible thought to think about. Think of some of the people in your life. What if God did not make that person? I mean, imagine how different the trajectory of your life is. God doesn't make Abby, I don't have my six kids. You understand? Like you think of those things and like you're more appreciative. God created you. He is the creator. Revelation 4.11, worthy are you, Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. You see, our worship is response to God creating us. Well, do you thank God for the gift of life, for his living, for the people in your life? who he's he's blessed you with. But not only has he created us, here's the kicker, he claims us. It says we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. That amazes me that God claims you and I. Claims us. I think most of us have have been embarrassed by somebody. Anybody ever been embarrassed by somebody? Have you ever embarrassed somebody? I'm terrible at this, and my daughter will testify. She's nodding her head. She's going full charismatic. She's going to start saying amen. When we go to grocery stores, if she gets separated from me, I will call out to her aloud. She can be from here to the music stuff, and I'll say, Sophia! And she will just put her head down. A few weeks ago, we were at a a grocery store. Abby, me, and Sophia, and the Browns won their game and I was watching it online. I'm yelling and dancing, and then I told her, I said, if we see a Browns fan with Browns gear, I am hugging the man. There we go, we're walking down the aisle, and there is this big, burly guy, like a goatee, huge, and she, I watch her, she starts walking further back. I walked up to him and then walked by because I was scared of what happened. Because this was a big dude, like, it could have went bad fast. So I didn't do it. You see, God, here, here's the crazy thing. God is not embarrassed by you. Your sin, your weakness, your constant repeating of the worst parts of you again and again. Psalm 17, 8 says, he, he calls us the apple of his eye. Isaiah 49, 16, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands in spite of that. Think of that. Think of you. Think of all the things that you don't like about you. All the things that, if you're really being honest with us and candid, you're ashamed of. In spite of all of that, because of Christ, because of his grace, because of his mercy, he he doesn't say, oh, yeah, he's mine. She's, yeah, she's mine. No, he's like, he's mine. 
She's mine. I'm so proud. Yeah, that's my child. Isn't that remarkable, friends? That we're his today? Are you grateful for being God's child? Because we not only see his ad- our attitude, there's also an awareness here. It says we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So he's our shepherd. We're his. That's awesome. And we're his sheep. Why is that significant? Because that is not, here understand, understand this, that is not a term necessarily of endearment. It's actually a term that should be really humbling to us. You can go online, and it is remarkable what you can see animals do online. I mean, it is. Chimpanzees, dolphins, parrots, I saw a dog yesterday balancing cups of water in his mouth. Ridiculous. I have never seen a sheep video doing anything. Because they're just, now mind you, I, I know, t- I guarantee I'm going to get an email or text this week, well, you didn't see this sheep. There maybe is a rogue sheep out there that's uber talented and gifted, but the vast majority of sheep, they're not smart animals. They get in trouble all the time. That's why Isaiah 53, 6 says, all of us like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, worship is God-centered. It's not man-centered. We're not the worthy ones. Are you aware of how, and I'm not doing this to tear down your self-esteem, but I want your self-esteem and confidence to be in Christ. Do you realize how impressive you are apart from the Lord? God is not lucky to have you on his team. Not only is it not powerful, it, it needs protection. Sheep are vulnerable. They are weak. I've referenced this book series before because my kids love it. It's Who Would Win? And you have animals, killer whale versus great white shark. And this is all hypothetical. It's not like they, they a, a, a stage a fight between these animals. Would a lion or a tiger win? Who's going to win? Sheep or a bear? Sheep or a lion? Sheep with a shepherd versus lion or bear. There's a big difference fight, right? If you have the right shepherd. John 10, 8, 10, 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus speaking. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is at He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. You see, that's not our shepherd though. He's not a hired hand. We're his. He is ours. He cares. He steps in in our behalf. Isn't that the gospel That our shepherd steps in and protects us from from sin and death and from Satan and rescues. And and he even says in that passage that I was reading, if I would have read the extent of it, that not one sheep will be plucked or snatched from my hand. John Calvin declares, he separates her, God's people, from the rest of the world and cherishes her with a peculiar and fatherly regard. Do you see how safe and secure you are in Christ? You see how confident you can be in Jesus and eternity because of God as our shepherd. So we, have a, we are called to worship. 
active and affectionate praise created for worship. We have an attitude for the shepherd, but we also have an awareness as a sheep. God, though, in the midst of all of it, I want to zoom out big picture. God is the reason that you and I have to be thankful. First of all, we have gratitude for who he is. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. Notice how God-centered this worship is. His gates, his courts, to him, his name, the Lord is. It's all about God. Worship, there should be no question about who the object of our worship is. I often will walk into the room and my wife will be on the phone mid-conversation and I just have to know who she's talking about or two. So I'll listen, I'm nosy. So if you ever talk to my wife, I'm probably in the room while she's talking and I'm listening and then I like, and I feel like I have something to contribute to the conversation and like my wife is just constantly like, go, like stop, stop, just go, we'll talk later. And I'm trying to figure out who it is. And then sometimes I'm so curious, I'll actually turn the phone just so I can see who's on the phone. But then there'll be times, even when they're talking, and like I remember one time she was talking about somebody and I thought she was talking about somebody else. And I was like starting to add my, and she's like, We're, I'm not even talking about that person. It was so ambiguous though, I thought I knew. You see, worship, listen to this, worship should never be that ambiguous. What we do on Sunday morning, it should never feel like, are we worshiping God or are we worshiping ourselves? No, it is clearly about the Lord. Psalm 29, to ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. I mean, we do have value as image bearers, but we should not worship the image bearer. We need to take our eyes off of self on to God, we, we need to, he must increase what we must decrease. So are you God-focused in worship? But not only is it God-centered, it's a God-celebration. There's a greatness in God that is not comparable. There's a magnificence with him that sets him apart. I use, I think, Apple Music for streaming music. It's, it's helpful even with like worship songs and and, and being able to hear it before we ever do it. And one of the things often with the, the various on, uh, online streaming, whether it's Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, is they will typically, if you like artist A, they will play songs similar to artist A. So there'll be several artists. Do you understand with God, if we were streaming God, there are no alternative artists. Do you get that? That God is so unique in his worship, so unique in his magnificence, that there is nothing like it. Psalm 113, verse 5. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high? Who looks down far on the heavens and the earth? Nobody. That's why Paul in Philippians 3, 8, I consider everything lost compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So from Paul's perspective, Jesus, everything else, Jesus outweighs everything else. And that's what we need to start thinking about when it comes to worship, that God alone is worthy. Now, the world does a really good job of tempting us to believe that there is a legitimate rival 
for God's worship. But here's what happens. You and I, we then engage in worship of the worldly things. But as you engage, what ends up happening over time? You're never satisfied and never fulfilled. Because it's incapable of fulfilling you because it's not worthy of such worship. Well, do you long to know God more? Because not only do we see the gratitude for who he is, we see gratitude for what he has done. He goes on and says, his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. We see, first of all, his works are, are certain. Anybody remember? Make Pastor Andy and I really proud. Pastor Andy can't answer it. What is the word for steadfast love from First and Second Samuel? Hesed. Yay. Good job. Good job. Hesed, that was the word we used. It's to deal kindly, to show faithful, steadfast love, mercy. David and Jonathan were using it between them. It was basically promise to me that you will extend love no matter what happens circumstance-wise. If the kingdom ends up going this way, like you promise, even if I'm dead, you will show faithful love to my, my lineage. It was that idea. It's, it's loyal, reliable love and faithfulness. Friends, we have that in Yahweh. What good news. What good news. I mean, I know some of you, I, I, we're, we're ridiculing a little bit Black Friday, but some of you went out shopping, and I, I know one of my friends even had to buy an appliance, and he went to Costco, and he went to Costco because they have an amazing return policy. They really do. I don't work for Costco. I'm not getting any kickback from Costco. Uh, but they do, like, you can bring stuff broken, and they're like, hey, no problem, we'll get you another one. Like, talk about the return policy of return policy. There's no return, though. It's just a full guarantee with Yahweh. Psalm 25, 6, remember your mercy, O Lord, and your hesed love, for they have been of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions according to your hesed love. Remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. What God has done, is doing, and will do is certain. There's no doubts. And that's why we're thankful that I am not the, the, the guarantee of my future. Eternity does not rest on myself, and eternity does not rest on you. Eternity rests on the finished work of Christ and God's hesed love for us. Does that comfort you today? Not only is his work certain, here's, here's the kicker in all of it. His work is Christ. His work is Christ. The Hesed love we speak of that endures forever, the faithfulness to all generations. If you have to sum it up in one word, what is it? It's Christ or Jesus. He is the author and guarantor of our salvation. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave what? His son. Ephesians 2, 4, but God rich in mercy. The meeting needs are ultimately met in Christ. It's the best of everything God has done, right? I saw people uh, online on Facebook, they would go A to Z blessings and every letter and stuff. And, and all are good and stuff. And you could definitely use G for grace and you could do it, make it really spiritual. But the end of the day, here, understand this, all the blessings you have in your life, the best blessing you have is Jesus. 
Amen. It, and there's a compilation of, of all the blessings. I, I, I watched a, a movie recently that came out with Barry Sanders, was a, a renowned football player, retired young. And in the video, in the movie, there's tons of his highlights. And as somebody who grew up as a child watching him, I'm showing it to my kids. I'm like, this is his best run. And then the next play would happen. I'm like, that was a better run. And you just like kept constantly wowed by his, well, the best, the most wow moment of all that God has done in your life and in my life is the cross. It's Jesus. It's the salvation that we have in Christ. Were you amazed by God's gift? How much did you deserve such grace and mercy? Do you value it? A few years back, I was given, it, it was, I believe it was sent to my house. It, was in a, and it might be one of you that I never found out who sent it. It was very thoughtful. It was a ceramic jar, almost looked like a cookie jar, and on the outside of it, it says, count your blessings. And in the jar, you open it up, there are a bunch of blank sheets of paper, little sheets of paper. And I have not been faithful at using this jar, partially because I'm afraid to have it out, especially with my kids younger, because my kids break stuff. So. But the, the point would be to every time I see a blessing, I know, notice a blessing, write down that blessing and put it in the jar and then over time, I could dump it out, and I literally could count my blessings. Yesterday, my, my wife and I, we were, uh, my, my daughter's a senior, and she's got to have a baby picture. And so we went through, like, old external hard drives from pictures, and we went through, like, all of these, these pictures and all of these videos from Sophia to Josiah to Josh to Isaiah to, to Zach to, to, to Finn. And as I was watching them and, re, and, and, and looking at all of these things, I just, I couldn't help but notice just how blessed God has blessed me. And I'm not just talking about the six kids, which are a huge, awesome blessing. But there was pictures of an event we did here at the Y the first year we got here. And I look out and there was like six people because that was the people that came to church then. And just to see like just so many things. I saw pictures of right after my brother-in-law was killed. And, and just again and again in those pictures and videos, it's more than just those people where I see the blessing. I see God's faithfulness through the difficulties. I see God's faithfulness over those years that every picture was a story of God again and again showing his tender mercies each and every morning. It reminds me of the, the hymn I grew up singing. It goes, so amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged, God is over all. Count your many blessings Angels will attend, help and comfort give you to your journey's end. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. Friends, as we are about to close and we'll, we'll sing a song in response I want to ask you, what is your blessing count at today? Because truth be told, it's way higher than you know. 
Are you too concerned about this world, about yourself? You're too anxious over what you don't have. You're too discouraged by what you have lost. Friends, if you are in Jesus today, you are blessed beyond measure. Be grateful for what God has done. Let's pray. Lord, as we come before you, we, one, confess our lack of gratitude. We confess our, uh, at, at times, sense of entitlement, that we always feel that we need more, we deserve more, we want more. Forgive us. And Lord, we just, in this moment, we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. God, I pray even now as we sing this last song and as we, we leave here that our eyes would be wide open to how truly blessed we are. Yes, we're blessed that we have cars to drive home and we'll likely have a, a hot meal to eat and we're blessed that we have people in our lives that we can have friendships and, and, and really share this journey alongside. But most importantly, Lord, we are reminded that we are blessed because we have a right relationship with you because of Jesus. Lord, may we live in light of that. May we be a grateful, appreciative, thanksgiving bunch of people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and respond with song.